Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. personally and I'm asking you now God to just help us to be able to create and maintain an atmosphere where your word can speak to our heart because it is the word God and the preaching of the word that will save us because in that there is instruction in that we pray God that you would touch us right now in the name of the Lord in the name of the Lord praise God praise God Amen. There's been a sweet and a palatable presence of the Lord in this place today. Amen. And I'm going to need your help. I want the Lord to, I too, as Brother Rayleigh said, felt like the Lord had laid something on his heart. I feel the same way. So I feel like that the Lord has a, a word, and I don't use that loosely, um, a word for this day. And um, the Lord dealt with me very early Thursday morning about this. And uh, I didn't, obviously, I don't know who's going to be in what any given service, but the Lord does. And so I feel like those ordered steps have brought us here. And so I'm just going to ask you today, if you will, to help me to just stay connected. I know we've kind of been up and down and up and down. And uh, sometimes it's a little bit hard to reconnect multiple times, but I'm just going to ask you to do that if you will. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to join me in the book of Acts. I know we've been standing a while, but I want you to join me in the book of Acts chapter 28. I'm going to begin reading with verse 17. While you're finding that, I want to reflect back upon last Sunday. Last Sunday morning, I felt like the Lord in our first service had... Uh, dealt with me about the passage of scripture of the visitation that that Paul had to go to Macedonia, a man from Macedonia. And in that message, I mentioned a couple of things that I would like to just go back and touch on very briefly. I feel like that the Lord certainly can and does and is drawn to hunger and they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, those are the ones that have the promise of being filled. And God is also drawn to humility, and and so we see again and again the spirit and the presence of God in the company of humility and how he does mighty works in the lives of people. And so I believe that that the spirit of the Lord is going to reach the whole earth 
with the gospel. I really believe that. Amen. I believe that he may first move, as I said last Sunday, in the hearts of people to try their heart to see whether or not there is a hunger or a thirst for him. And if there is, God would send somebody their way or send them to someone. I believe that God has the capacity to bridge those chasms and and to make a way where there is no way. And uh, I'm I'm thankful for that. I, I I don't know how to state something today as factually as I feel like that it should be stated, and that is that uh, I'm I'm thankful for the truth of the word of God, but I also want to reiterate the importance of not playing church. Play a lot of things, but don't play church. Amen. Don't play church. That's probably one of the most dangerous things that a person can ever do is just to kind of toy and tinker with the things of God. Truth is such a powerful thing. It is a uh, the truth of God's word. And I don't want to, again, get ahead of myself, but Paul said in Thessalonians that, that because they had not a love for the truth, they didn't have a love for an adoration and appreciation for the truth of God's word. And, and that became the pinnacle. That became the tipping point of, of what God allowed to happen in their lives, that they would believe a lie and be damned. Think about that. That's a very dangerous thing and I said often not to try to sound uh, uh, not to try to sound any way out of the way but one of the most dangerous things about deception is the fact that you're deceived and you would believe a lie and be damned the book of Acts chapter 28 I'm going to read a, a few more verses than I normally do here but I want to do that on purpose to kind of unfold the story we understand that from the book of Acts 9 uh, after Paul's conversion, that Paul has been somewhat on a tumultuous journey of preaching the gospel, um, actually of his initial revelation of what the, of, of who Jesus was and what he is. And uh, Paul, all throughout the book of Acts, we find him high and low, up and down. Acts twenty-seven, we find him in the middle of a great in, in the middle of a great storm and trials of his life. And finally, he is making his way to Caesar. There was a, a specific reason he had appealed unto Caesar. Much of that was uh, encapsulated in the fact that he was innocent of the charges that were being levied against him. And so let's pick up reading in Acts 28 and 17. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people, or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. They had no right to put me to death. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had aught to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you to speak with you because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, this is is kind of a shocking um, moment of revelation, I think at least for the Apostle Paul in verse number one, 
their answer to him, their reply to him is that we have neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither have any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. And so Paul gets here to make his case and these folks reply, we don't know what you're talking about. We've not received any charge. There has not been a letter. There has not been anyone that has brought an accusation against you. And when they had appointed him to harm thee, verse number 22, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest for as concerning this sect, amen, or in other words, this body, this, this New Testament church that has been born, they've obviously heard about this. And they said, we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And yet their curiosity is sparked. And so they said, we want to hear from you. We want you to talk to us about uh, this great phenomenon. And so the Bible says in verse 23, when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believe the things which were spoken and some believe not. What a critical intersection. Some said, I'll take that. Others said, I'm not interested. So for a few moments, I wanna just speak from this subject today in the form of a question and that is, what will you do with truth? What will you do with truth? Amen. In these passages of Scripture, Paul is addressing the Jews, and I think it's important that Paul is not just addressing the Jews in some random fashion. Amen. There is a method of his ministry. In accordance with the principle of the gospel, it is God's power for salvation, the scripture says, to first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Am I right? Amen. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And so here is Paul, uh, even in this Gentile capital of the world, he is going to address first the Jews. So he is staying true to the principle of scripture. Three days after he arrived, he summoned for the Jewish leaders to meet him. First off, he had done, he wanted to emphasize three things when he got in their presence. Number one, I've done nothing against the Jewish people or their customs. I just want you to know that. Paul referred to them even as our people and our customs. And so he very much kept himself inserted and included in this body of, of Jews. Secondly, after being arrested and handed over to the Romans and examined by them, amen, they wanted to set him free because they could find nothing that was deserving of him being put to death. And thirdly, it was because the Jews had objected to allowing him to be released that he felt compelled to appeal to Caesar. You remember previous to this, another king or judge said, you know, if he had, we could let him go except for the fact that he's appealed to Caesar. And so he was going there. But Paul reiterated that he had nothing against his own people. Consequently, this is what you have. In order to clarify these points, he had to ask to see them. The Jewish leaders, surprisingly, as I said a moment ago, 
reply that they don't even know what we're talking about or you're talking about. You don't, we have not received any letters. There is no one being here personally to uh, levy any accusations against you. However, they did say we have heard about this sect. And what we have heard, it has been spoken against. So we would like to hear a little bit more about what you have to say about that. I think this is where the passage of Scripture got pretty interesting for me. Paul now has an audience, or at least a body of people that are begging an audience with him. And so they said, we want to learn more. And so on an appointed day, the Jews, apparently in great number, assembled in the place where Paul was lodging. And so the scripture says that all day long or from morning until evening, Paul concentrated on two things. First, he unfolded uh, and, 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 and an explanation by the testimony of character and about the coming of the kingdom of God. He began to expound to them on those things. Secondly, he tried to convince them of Jesus Christ himself from the scriptures. He wasn't just talking about his own experience, although I think our own personal testimony is an extremely powerful witness. But in Acts 28 and 23, the Bible says, and when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. I think this next line is important both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning until evening. I think it's very important that Paul, to note that Paul did not just try to take these men from the day of Pentecost and just say, well, we, here's how it happened, guys. We were all in this place and we were praying and kind of go through Acts chapter two with them. He didn't try to appeal to them from the day of Pentecost because they weren't there they could not relate to the day of Pentecost, but they could relate to the law of Moses and they could relate to the prophets because they had given their lives to the study of the law of Moses and the prophets. And so I'm gonna go, Paul is saying, I'm gonna go to something fundamental. I'm gonna go to something foundational. Amen, I'm gonna speak from here. And so he went to a place where he knew they would be familiar. Amen, that's nothing less than what Philip would follow up and do when he came to the man of Ethiopia who was sitting in his chariot. Amen, he didn't climb aboard there and say, well, you need to throw that book down and set that aside and let, let's just read through the book of Acts hypothetically. But he said, the scripture says that he preached to him from where he was. He was reading in the book of Isaiah and he from the book of Isaiah just began to preach Jesus unto him. Amen. What, what he was trying to show him is this is not some newfangled idea, but this is what the law of Moses has been pointing to and these are what the prophets have been pointing to for a long, long time. Amen. And so he spoke not only what with, with a, a God-given authority, but I think he also spoke as a man that would have customary respect to the people that he was talking to. So he wasn't just coming out uh, like a bull out of the gate. He, he understood their customs. He, he was a Jew. He understood how they thought. He thought just like them. He understood what they were thinking in that very moment and he spoke from morning to evening. Now we get to verse number 24 and this is a very critical moment to me to say the least. 
because the Bible says, and some believe the things which were spoken and some believe not. They were deeply divided among themselves and begin to, they begin to leave. The, the crowd began to disperse and I think it's important for us to see exactly what it was that kind of broke up this crowd. Now, now up, up to this moment, Paul has been speaking in a, uh, let me, uh, Paul has been speaking in a gathering frame of mind. Paul has been appealing to their knowledge, not just their conscience. He has been appealing to their uh, he has been appealing to their customs and their traditions and their knowledge of the law of God and the law, the law of Moses and the word of God through the prophets. And so I think it's very important to understand just what was said that broke this party up. Amen, this was a message that no one could have missed. Paul boldly quoted the words that God had spoken to Isaiah Amen, this had to be, a, I think, a pretty arresting moment if we read these scriptures slowly enough to just let them unfold for us frame by frame. Paul wasn't there to play church. Amen, this wasn't really about whether you agree or you don't agree. Paul wasn't trying to form another club. This was not a numbers game with him, but this was truth on display. Amen, what are you gonna do with truth? What will you do with this truth? And so when they begin to disagree among themselves in your Bible, amen, right where you are turned, amen, he says that he begins to quote from the book of Isaiah. Amen, I'm gonna actually go to the book of Isaiah because I wanna read this prophecy word for word. In the book of Isaiah chapter six and verse number nine, this is what the apostle Paul refers to. He said, and he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Amen. I can appreciate that we're not in the heat of this moment. <laughs> I can appreciate that we're not in the heat of this all day long Bible study. And amen, I can appreciate the fact that we're not there. But I think we need to understand that when Paul began to realize that some of these are believing, but there is a spirit of doubt and a spirit of unbelief in this room. Amen, when Paul reached a certain point, amen, in, a, in verse number 24, when, when he talks about in verse number 24, that some believed and some did not. In verse 25, and said, and they agreed not among themselves and they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. They departed after Paul referred to one thing. Amen, saying in verse number 26, go unto this people and say, hearing, hearing you shall hear and shall not understand and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For, <coughs> for the heart of this people is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and that I should heal them. Amen, I'm gonna tell you that Paul, when he realized that doubt was in the room, 
he began to rebuke them and said this. I'll just put it, I'll get out of the King James language here for just a moment. He said, with your eyes, you're gonna see, but you won't see this. And with your ears, you're gonna hear something, but you won't hear this. And with your mind, you will not understand this. I'm gonna tell you what you do with truth is critical. Amen, because if you say, I don't know if I want that or not, then the Lord will say, well, I'm not gonna just strike you blind and I won't strike you deaf and I won't strike you mute, but you'll see and not see and you'll hear and not hear and you'll understand but not comprehend. And so I'm gonna tell you today, play a lot of things, but don't play church. Amen, play a lot of things. Don't play with the truth of God's word. Amen, this is the most valuable and the most precious thing that we will ever come in contact with. I wanna fall in love, not with just the spirit of church. I don't wanna just fall in love with the idea of church. I don't wanna just fall in love with the congregation, amen, called the church. I love all of those things, but I wanna fall in love with the truth of the word of God because it matters what I do with truth. If I walk toward truth, he'll let my eyes, Sister Baggett, see it even greater. Amen. If I walk toward truth, he'll let my ears hear it even more clearly. If I walk toward truth, he'll open my mind and my understanding in a way that I could have never, ever dreamed. What will you do with truth? What will you do with truth? We're living in a critical hour, ladies and gentlemen. A critical hour where some people say, well, I'll have some of this, but I don't want all of this. Not realizing that it's all connected. It is one and the same. You can't say, well, I, I, want a, I want a baptism in Jesus' name and I want the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but I don't know so much about holiness and separation and I don't know so much about this and I don't know so much about that. Can I tell you that they are, that they are amen, irrevocably connected together. Amen, it is one in the same. This are not two different messages, two different doctrines. There's not a line down the middle of the, each of these and we can be over here but not over, it doesn't work like that, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't work like that. Amen, we have to love the truth with all that we have. <coughs> or he said, I'll deafen your ears. I'll make them dull of hearing. That's what the scripture says, dull of hearing. Amen, I'll, I'll affect your eyesight how you see scripture. I'll affect your mind how you understand scripture. Amen, we're talking about believing lies. We're talking about being reprobate in our mind. I, this is a very serious subject. I, I promise you, this is a very serious thing that, that we're, we're flirting with. We're flirting with the spirit of God lifting and, and taking away the clarity from our minds and our eyes. I love our worship, I love our praise, and I, I love our singing, I love every aspect of that. I love our new songs, I love the old songs, I love what we're doing, but let, I don't wanna fall in love with the system. Amen, I don't wanna fall in love with the mechanics of what we're doing. Amen, this is all a part of it, but it all should be pointing us toward the truth. It's important what we do with the truth. And so when dissension become in the, when dissension came in the room, I want you to know, friend, Paul changed gears. Amen. He singed the hair because he reached back in Isaiah 
Many said, well, I'll tell you what. When you walk out, you consider this, that your hearing will never be the same. Your understanding will never be the same. Your sight will never be the same. It's important what we do with truth. Amen. It's important what we do with truth. Paul was not the first one to make reference to this. Jesus quoted this in Matthew 13 and 14. The Bible says, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, saying, Which saith, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, their eyes are, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their hearts and should not be converted that I should heal them. I shared this story and, and pardon me for, for just speaking and uh, not, not so clearly the point of the story is not the point but I was trying to tell someone many years ago about a law that had changed that affected a few things and, and we were sitting there in his innocence. He said, oh, don't say that, don't say that. I don't want to hear that, I don't want to hear that. Well, so just because you don't want to hear it doesn't mean that. <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't change the law, you understand. And, and that didn't change your that didn't change your liability here in all of this. But he was so sincere. It's like Just like what he was trying to say was unsay that. Unsay that. I want to unhear that. I want to drop that. But I want to tell you the Bible says that, that they close their eyes lest they should see. And I'm going to tell you there's a lot of people that like a little bit of what they feel. But they said, but I'm going to close my eyes lest I see more. And then I'm required to do more. And God is going to ask more of me. But I'm going to tell you that you can't live in this perpetual state of limbo. Amen. Hearing, this quotation draws, I think, a distinction between hearing and understanding and, and seeing and perceiving. It goes on uh, to attribute people's non-comprehension to their deliberately hard hearts and their deaf ears and their closed eyes. We're just going to close our eyes and not see this. Otherwise, I may see and understand. I may hear and get it. And to whom much is given, much is required. Because once the light comes on, I'm responsible now. I'm appealing today to not just first generation, but I'm appealing to some second generation and some third generation, amen, that are in this building today represented that we need to serve as a voice and a filter in the lives of those that are following us. Amen. The Bible does talk about the younger the older teaching the younger. Is it still in the word? I believe it's still there. Amen. That, 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 that the older ought to teach the younger and we ought to serve as that in our heart. Amen. J.A. Alexander writes this. He said, in this fearful process, there are three distinguishable agencies expressly described. One of those, he said, is the ministerial agency of the prophet. There's the voice of the preacher. Then he said, there is the judicial agency of God. There is... God and then there is the suicidal agency of people themselves and so there is the voice of the prophet and then there is the ultimate word of God and then there is this suicidal agency in our humanity because we have a choice some believed and some did not 
But friend, they didn't walk out of that meeting like they walked into that meeting. But they walked with a weighty prophecy of Isaiah being placed back on their shoulders. In other words, if we ask people, if we ask why people don't understand and turn to God, their unbelief could be attributed to to three things. It could be attributed to the preaching or attributed to the judgment of God or it could just be attributed to their own stubbornness or our own stubbornness. And so because the Jews were deliberate in their rejection of the gospel, Paul warned them to know that God's salvation has now been sent to the Gentiles. Now, I know if we talk about Jews and Gentiles today, that's kind of easy for us to get lost in the navigation of all that. But let me just put it this this way, that if you don't want what God is trying to show you, trust me, somebody does. Amen. And if I decided today that I'm not ever going to preach another message and I close my Bible and never open it again, somebody will open theirs. Amen. Somebody, God will lay it if necessary on the heart of a brand new individual to open their heart because if I don't want it, someone does. Amen. So this stubborn Jewish opposition led Paul to turn to the Gentiles three times. He first always did the Bible thing to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles. But he three times turned to the Gentiles because the Jewish people turned it down the first time in Antioch in chapter 13, the next time in Corinth in chapter 18, the next time in Ephesians chapter 19. And now for the fourth time, they're in the, they're in the world's capital city. And now in a more decisive manner, he makes it known again. He said, be it known in chapter 28, verse 28, be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent to the Gentiles. You're ready for that? And that they will hear it. Amen. God help us today. God help us today. One translation of verse 29 says, when he had spoken these words, the Jews departed having great dispute among themselves. Amen. Great dispute among themselves. And when they began to dispute among themselves, he just spoke to their heart. I mean, it had to be an arresting moment that you're not going to be able to see and hear and understand because he's going to give that understanding and that sight and that hearing to someone else. That's a serious thing. That's a very serious thing. Amen. Truth is a separator. I'm going to ask our musicians to come if you will. Truth is a separator. At an intersection of truth and false, decisions have to be made. Two breathtaking things I think that we should consider from this scripture and that is the fact that some will hear and some will not. Several years ago, I was taking some scuba diving instructions and classes and and um, I had taken, me and a friend of mine had taken an additional class, which was an entry-level class to cave diving. And because there were only two of us in the class and because of the skill level of our instructor, 
each day of our checkout dives, he allowed us to go on into the cave environment with him and to swim back out. The second day, um, he told us a little bit of a story. He said, when we get to a certain point in the cave, he said, I want to point out something to you. And then he didn't share the rest of the story until we got out of the cave. And I was kind of glad about that. But in these caves, especially around here, they are, they're well marked. And uh, there are permanent lines that are placed in them for safety to help you to get back out and find your way back out. They mark main passages, if I could maybe put it that way. And so when we were in this certain cave, we got to a certain intersection, for the lack of a better word. There was a crossing of two strings. He pointed to that string. This indicated that this is the intersection I was talking to you about earlier. And so when we got back out of the cave, we... We're sitting around and he was also a rescue and recovery diver who had uh, many rescues to his credit. And he said that in that cave at that particular intersection, a husband and wife team had gone in. And when they came back to this particular intersection, they got confused. And the wife said, we need to go this way. And the husband said, we need to go this way. They were both running out of air, so a decision had to be made. And the wife swam one way, and the husband swam in the direction that he was convinced was the right way. In this particular case, he happened to be right. And the man that was our instructor was called upon to go and recover her body intersections in lives are serious places I I have no idea what was going through the heart of that husband or wife for that matter because they both were convinced they were right but I've often wondered and I'm not trying to sound morbid but I've often wondered brother Jerry I wonder what went through the husband's mind when he saw day when he realized I am right and he realized that he just left it's a dangerous thing what you do at an intersection what decision you make right there Paul broke up the meeting by saying well from this point forward you'll see without seeing and you'll hear without comprehension your mind's going to be dull. Your eyes will be dull. It matters what we do with truth. It really matters. I, I'm not, uh, today, I feel a burden in my heart. I really do. I feel a burden in my heart. We need to fall in love with truth over and over and over again. Don't play with God. Amen. Let's stand together. Praise God. Let's worship the Lord as we close this song. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you today. Thank you for the power of your word, the power of your word. It's a separator, God. 
And I'm asking you today to let your spirit draw us closer to you than we've ever been. Let's magnify him in this song, can we? Amen. Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. Thank you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.